given to me by Woody Shaw, Sunship, Dizzy, and John Kahn, dedicated to pursuing a piece of our cultural heritage through interviews with my music heroes. This is the Jake Feinberg Show. Welcome, everybody, inside the Brady Broadcasting Studio, 25 East Glen. This is the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you so much for being part of the program today, and it's an honor to welcome back to the show an amazing drummer, somewhat of a prophet, playing music, Lenny White, live from Minnesota. Welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thanks, Jake. It's a little hard hearing you, but uh, thanks for having me. I will do my best to speak up. Um, Lenny, I wanted to ask you about um, the opportunity uh, of playing. I just came off an interview with Stanley Clark, and he talked about... um, the idea of playing real spiritual music and uh, the only way that happens is that you have to be willing to leave your physical body and I just wonder if you could describe to the audience about the transcendental nature of playing with somebody where you actually can connect outside of the physical body meaning like you and Stanley and Chick well to explain it you know like I guess you basically would have to be um, in the same mindset. Um, and how I could maybe put you in that mindset would be to have an out-of-body experience like that, to, to play like that. I don't know if if you practiced something for a long period of time and you found someone also practice something like what you were practicing and you guys or you and a woman or whatever were to get to a, a point where the things that you did or that you practiced there was a common line in that and you say it, it could be like uh, playing a sport it could be Maybe if you were studying history in college or whatever, and you got met up with a friend, and the friend said, "Hey, you know, I'm studying, and I'm studying that too." Oh, oh, and then like you go, and you get this synergy, you get this real great uh, uh, rapport. What happens is that things become very natural to the two people involved, and the more you do it the better it makes you feel. And, you know, with those guys, they played music like I played music. And then, like, you know, you get this affinity playing with a certain person and you feel safe. You can trust them. They can trust you. And then, like Elvin and Train, Miles Davis and Tony Williams, you know, like, they trusted each other and because of the trust that they had in each other, it took them to places that they would not normally go with regular musicians. 
and you get to this point, man, where, you know, you play, and then just something just takes over, and you, like, you say, man, wow, wow, what happened? I don't know. Well, that was great, you know. And you get to repeat this a couple of times. I mean, it's 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 an amazing thing, and it's kind of hard to explain. I don't know if I explained it right. Well, no, I think that... Uh... <laughs> no, I, I think it's impossible to to explain. You guys are doing the best you can. Um, when you, I've been documenting this because, um, like, you and Stanley played uh, with Joe Henderson and Woody Shaw. Um, I mean, you had played before, but they they had come back from, uh, they were coming back, Return to Forever was coming back from overseas, and, and Flora and Ayerto were dealing with some issues, and um, and I was just wondering if you remember how you you linked up with uh, with Stanley and and Chick because they were playing like a seven night run yeah. at the BCT at Corner. and the Berkeley Community Theater too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know it was uh, you know I had played with Stanley before because we had as as, as you said played together with Joe Henderson and. Uh, I had played with Chick before because I had done the record Bitches Brew with Miles. And so, uh, you know, when Chick called me and asked me uh, to uh, play with him and Stanley, uh, to me it was a no-brainer because I I had played with both of them before. And, uh, you know, we got together and played, and it was a great week of music and a great week of exploration and finding out about you know uh these different musicians and how we could all play together and we made some great music do you um you talked about being able to go places with people when you trust them uh you talked about being on a conference call today skype call from italy minnesota or you can i mean we can do all that but um we have. How have we become, in your mind, how did we go from like these enclaves of or brotherhoods to being so spread out where you're making an album with people on all different continents? And does that lead... Well, I mean, that, that's part of the, par for the course. I mean, you know, you, you, you study to become a musician. And the overall concept and title of a musician is someone who plays music and you may specialize in a certain type of music but you play all kinds of musics there are certain kinds of musics that will come uh, will prepare you to play many many other different styles and quote unquote that word jazz uh, the the what it takes, <clears throat> excuse me, to come to be a master of that music, it takes a lifetime, number one. And those experiences that you have playing that music prepare you for playing any other kind of music that you want to tackle. So, you know, I use my my uh, background, my musical background with the types of music that um, I've played and, and, you know, attempted to try to uh, master. And 
I can't do anything else but play with a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of in a lot of different musical situations. <clears throat> I wouldn't be able to call myself a musician if, if I didn't do that. Do you see Cats now? You guys grew up um, in the late 60s when the morphing of the music was just beginning to take place, but are there... Are there cats today that you see that can play soul, funk, R and B, and 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 jazz, all the stuff that you guys were were raised on, which is why the music was so magnetic? Um, do you see that today, or do you see or hear uh, people essentially trying to sound like other people? I mean, are are there are there younger individuals with individual sound, and if so? Um, uh, what is that? What is what? What are they adding on to what Tony Williams and Lenny White have done with the drums? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, there are a lot of fantastic young musicians um, that are uh, playing and and doing a lot of different challenging things today. Um, but I do think that the difference is that um, the music has become somewhat homogenized today. And <clears throat> the closer you get to the source of something, the more authentic uh, it becomes. And when you talk about the music that was uh, created or developed by, like, Tony Williams, and then, like, we kind of, you know, uh, took the reins and, and uh, kind of went with that to another place, <clears throat> I think the key word is seminal. Um, what happens is guys that 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 um, musicians, artists, who whatever, um, creative people that create seminal things. What you have is you have people emulating or trying to to copy what has been done and what I do find today is I've, I find a lot of guys <clears throat> and girls doing things that basically are copies of copies and they I don't think the musicians today go back far enough to the source points for what it is they're playing today to be really authentic. I think that's the thing that I miss the most. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, today there are more, uh, there's much more emphasis on technique as opposed to uh, feel and actually playing something that's authentic. Uh, I think that that's what I miss the most is some real authentic uh music that that is close to the seminal music that was created in the late 60s uh, between 19 well I don't want to date the time but like the, the, the late 60s into the 70s. Absolutely. That's the time I'm focused in on. Like, it seems like you guys... Okay, but when you say copies of copies, what do you mean by that? 
Well, see, the, the you know like what happened is there was that music that happened in the late '60s, early '70s, and then in maybe in the '90s, uh, a group of musicians that kind of played at that, and nowadays. Those are the musicians. The musicians in the 90s are the ones that the musicians today look to as being the uh, uh, progenitors of their music. And they said, okay, well, like, I'm going to go study this guy. Where they didn't go back far enough, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so now you have a guy that saxophone player that plays like this guy and plays like saxophone player C. But saxophone player C copied saxophone player B and didn't go back to saxophone player A. I don't know if I... No, no, no. I mean, it it, it is is your spot on. You know, I, I think it has everything to do with the idea, you said homogenization. And yes, I mean, you know, yeah. the, the fact that there are a lot of different ki- kinds of... Now, now, there are a lot of different kinds of jazz <clears throat> as opposed to what jazz used to be. See, I don't particularly like the, the, that term because it's a four-letter word, and I think that the music that it's supposed to represent, the word it's supposed to represent, is a lot deeper and more challenging than that for it to be a four-letter word like that. Uh, I, I dig it. Keep going, man. Keep going. Huh? Keep going, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, you, you know, but... but I want to I try to make some point. I want to make an overarching thing. So the homogenization, uh, and that's because they're, they're sort of laying on this 90s sound, that's... Well, I mean, not so much that, but check it out. Today, in, in, it, for you to play in a club mm-hmm. uh, or to do a recording, I mean, you have to do a tribute to someone. Right. And nobody's playing original music anymore. Visual. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, not, I'm making a generalization. There are always going to be people that are going to be playing original music and doing original things. And I'm not saying that no one is doing that. What I'm saying is that, like, it's a normal thing now for someone to go and do a Herbie Hancock tribute in a club as opposed to playing their own music. But Lenny, I want to make this point. Lester Koenig, there were record companies that said, this is more feel, this is more feel-oriented music, and we're going to put it out there for market. It doesn't, there's nothing out there to to be there's no sales for that the sales is for the homogenization the sales is for the is for the pacification that wasn't the case with impulse or with those like you talk about late 60s early 70s that stuff was being marketed it was being marketed that way and so now it's not market abstract or vision would you say visionary music that stuff is not marketed that's and you're right because it's going there's great music being played every day and it will keep ne- the business the people that make those decisions the Orrin Keep News, or not, you know, the cats that understood that they said this Oscar Peterson record might only sell five copies, but it's what our label stands for. That does not exist today. Well, that's true. I mean, like, 
I said the other day, I mean, like, you know, I'm on the road now playing, and, you know, people come out to to see us play, and, you know, they're, they're more of, of our generation, so, like, they're a little bit older, and, like, I say to them, I say, <clears throat> excuse me, you guys are fortunate because you come from the same generation that I come from, and you've supported what we do, but you've lived in a generation where music meant something. Music that you listened to, that we played, made you dress a certain way, made you think a certain way, made you stand up and take notice of yourself and to say, I want to make a change. And you made a change. But the music inspired you to do that. It's not happening anymore. That's not what's happening today. <clears throat> and it's like a shame. I mean, look, I have the utmost respect for uh, um, Adele. But to hear Aretha Franklin do an Adele song on her new album, Aretha Franklin? Mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on. Aretha Franklin is an icon. And I'm not saying that she should not do Adele. That's not what I'm saying. But she's done an album now that is basically an album of covers of young artists. And she's Aretha Franklin. She should be doing her own music, writing her own songs, because she's an icon. And you know what? But has it come to a point where, like, now... I? Tony Bennett, Barbara Streisand, they're doing duets with, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, there was Lady Gaga and, uh, you know, it's it there. It's almost like a very, very, very pathetic attempt at trying to, like you said, go back uh, in the lineage and pull out, but it's more vocalese. And I guess my point is, I'm going back to our first interview and you talked about being, people need to seek I seek. If I see Lenny White on a Latin album, Private Press, I'm seeking that album. But people are going to say, don't do anything new. That's too risky. Put something on with a pop tune and you'll sell five million more. And that is people, I mean, Aretha, bless her. I mean, the, the woman's been cranking out stuff for years. I, he's, I say this, Lenny, um, because I was really thinking about this as part two. Like, this is, we have no control over this stuff. <laughs> Okay, but you, as a human, as a human, as an amazingly um, sensitive player, you know, and very open, um, what? How do you feel you were able to affect uh, change and push back against that? That dis, that maybe you're the dissidents against the homogenization, or how do you? Do you what? Give some examples of ways that besides outside of just playing a gig, um, mentoring or just being doing right by your, you know, how do you fill in those blanks and, and push back against that, this sort of pathetic uh, existence of lack of visionary music? Well, I don't know if there's any one formula for that, but I've managed to, to um, come across and meet some fantastic new uh, musicians. And 
have been able to work with them, <clears throat> excuse me, either in a playing capacity or producing capacity. And, you know, like these, these are pop artists or uh, progressive artists that want to make a change in their music, but their music isn't necessarily 4-4 jazz, like, you know, I came up playing. But they'll say, you know, um, I liked what you did back then, and I want to take some of that and put it in my music today. And this is how I hear my music today, but I want you to put some of what it is that you did in your generation in my music. And so, like, what you get is... um, you know, some pop music that has some sensibilities <laughs> within it. It's like this. It's like if you're if you make music that's like cognac, there are cognac drinkers, and your music will go over very well with cognac. <laughs> right. But if I really want to make a change, then I have to take something that everybody drinks. Everybody drinks coffee. Mm-hmm. So I have to take what I want to do and put it in coffee. So I have to lace the coffee so people drink the coffee and they say, hmm, this is some interesting tasting coffee. I never tasted coffee like this before, <laughs> but, it's, but it's pretty good. Sure. You know? And, and so that's what I would like to attempt to do is to somehow lace pop music people realize that it is music and realize that wow this is different this is not your normal and what they have to say is they're saying something I mean like there's there's some substance to these lyrics there's some substance to 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 this groove you know Um, is that when you I'd like you to go a little bit deeper you talked about you bring a little bit of sensibility. Could you give an example of, of uh, I mean, I remember of how you affect pop music. I remember you telling me. Well, I mean, yeah. I, an example, that, uh, I, I can give you a past example. Yeah, please. A past example is Steely Dan. When they did Asia, when I heard that record, I said, wow, pop music has there's some different chords here. I mean, they're doing some different things. They're, they're, they're odd times as you know it, within the songs and see in the 60s that would happen normally yeah right because of the the way culture was that everybody was searching seeking and experimenting in in everything and all all different aspects of life and culture and it was a thing where if you could change things you became successful and you could be rich by coming up with a new formula. That's not the case anymore. Now it's like you could be rich by doing something that everybody does. Mm-hmm. And it's a big attitude change. What does that mean? What, yeah, because you know what? That's the Jake Weinberg show in a nutshell. This is way too outside for anything going on. I mean, the cream rises to the top, Lenny, but um, 
what is that attitude shift? Joe Sample, rest in peace. He told me in our interview, he said, uh, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say this, and I know it's not just like this, but when Reagan came into office, the attitude of the country changed from, I got mine, why don't you have yours? And that's when it started. That's what Sample put his finger on. I mean, he talked about being able to pick up radio stations from Maine. He was living in San Diego. He could pick it all the way up in California. I'm just saying it was, the idea was, you know, space exploration. You you listen to any of those George Russell albums or Gil Evans stuff. I mean, expansion was considered absolutely key to the inventiveness. And it seems so, so, so self-evident to me, yet people are petrified of, of going out and doing that. And I guess what's really pretty cool is that you're doing everything you can to get into pop music and lay those grooves down so that there's some sensibility. I, I can't think of a better contribution at this time, you know? Well, yeah, you see, the thing is, the, when a person, a singular person, asks questions, and those questions get answered, but they're not, they're, they're still thirsty, and they ask more questions. What happens is their knowledge expands. When that singular person's knowledge expands, and they continue to ask questions, the universe expands. It expands by one person. So if we were to continue to do that, the universe would continue to expand. Now, that is happening, but it's not happening the way it did in the 60s. Now, people are more interested, not interested, but people are more concerned about surviving. They made a whole bunch of money, and they bought a whole bunch of things. Now they're worrying about being able to keep the things that they bought. And so it's about, well, I need to do this so I can get money to pay for what I have. And so that's why people are safe. And that's why, well, record companies are obsolete, but that's why record companies are still looking for things. You, you know, you can't, even, you can't even get a record deal. To, not, not saying that you really want one, but you can't get a record deal today without having some sort of a, a, a mark in the social marketplace. I mean, record companies don't sign artists because of their talent. They sign because they sign bands because they have thirty thousand followers on Facebook. Right. You know, I mean, it's a totally different world. The attitude is different. It, it's not an exploratory attitude today. It's more of a corporate uh, um, let's let's uh, let's see how we can expand point of view as opposed to let's see let's experiment and see what we can come up with it's like okay now we have a company now let, let now let we have to meet reach more people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm but our our formula is a good formula. Now we have to reach more people with it. You know, uh, people are not taking chances. Also, like, uh, when was the, what was the last festival you played? 
the last festival. Mm-hmm. Well, I played the Tokyo Jazz Festival. Okay, well, Japan's not a great example because they still are rabid, total freaks about the music. But I just mean, like, you go to any jazz. I mean, it's just, to me, I actually haven't been to one in a while because I just, to me, it's like if I went to go see Lenny White at a jazz festival and saw, like, a Coors Light banners and, and you know, you got, I mean, to me, it's like that just, I understand that's how these things are put on now, but that saps, the word jazz, you said it's, you know, it's, there's not, an, it's four letter word and that doesn't do it justice, but um, f- that just strips away the soul, the spiritual part of it. And that's what I'm searching, man. I just want, I, I know I can see it. I can feel it. I can hear it. You know, that Blackstone legacy album, it doesn't make sense to me all the time, but man, you guys were out there and just playing. And Woody had the trust in you guys. He's like, I brought you aboard because I want to hear what you have to say for yourselves within the context of the group. And that to me is we're just so spread out. They're not, it's non-existent. And, and so that, that kind of stuff, I mean, I just think if you're getting into the drum chair and you look behind and you're like, Oh, cool. Uh, AutoZone, that's great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's another world, Jake. And, and, um, and that, you're right. It again. is, it is about survival because we've bought so much and the cost of living is spiked and people are, are freaking out. And that's kind of the point too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, but like, you know, we we looked for our solutions for coping with whatever problems we had were artistic even in the sense of of self-medication back in the days i didn't do that but there was a lot of music that was inspired because of this reach to to attain a higher consciousness, mm, that's not the case anymore. Um, that motivation and that mindset uh, to explore brought really some very interesting and seminal creations and and um, unfortunately that attitude has changed and um, this is why it's difficult for um, new artists that want to challenge the, the creative source for them to get heard but can you, can you just, wait, you said something very profound. Can you talk about an artist, um, you don't have to mention name, but uh, that was altering consciousness through chemicals and that led to an, uh, a discovery, a new, ex, a new cosmo, cosmic source of music? Yeah, but I see, I can't really talk about that from, from um, a real... Um, I find it even more impressive that you can because you didn't do any of it. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What I was going to say is yeah. that <clears throat> I can't talk from that experience because although I was around a lot of people that did that, I didn't do it. I mean, I my my position had always been, well, I mean, my the, the creative source came through me, and then people got it. And if that was the case that the creative source came through me and people would get it, I had to be as pure as I could be. 
in order for the creative source to come through me and people get it. That was my attitude. I'm not saying that that was that was everybody's attitude, but that was my attitude. So that's why I didn't do that. But you know, like there were people that did, and you know, there were some fantastic creations that uh, came from that. I mean, I'm you know, I'm not one to to question anybody's morals. That everybody has their own uh, ideals about that. But just for me, I didn't do it. Um, I know it's. I just say to myself, boy, man, what a what a cool thing for younger cats to find out that these heavyweights. I mean, I know it. I know those guys. I mean, you hear all different stories, but to me, it's it, profoundly impressive for you to transcend. I mean, no, I don't find it. In fact, it's. I find it much more sophisticated that you didn't experiment with any of that stuff and were able to connect on that level. And I think that for younger cats who are intimidated, scared of the, trying to find their individual sound to know that mind expansion is okay. I'm not advocating for legalization of all drugs, but I'm just trying to say, I know what you're saying is that we got, we got there. You'll know when you get there. And a lot of the guys use transcendental stuff to get there. And I just, for you to be a part of that, if you witnessed that, I was just wondering if there was a, you know, situation where you, where you were a part of it, you know, even though you were. Oh yeah. No, no, no. What happened? I mean, I, you know, Mike Clark and I, uh, writing a book and, um, I had done some, um, uh, we had done some of it, and I think I was, I played some place with, with Dave Liebman, and, you know, Dave and I go back forever, <laughs> and Dave used to have a loft on uh, 19th Street in Manhattan, and it was in a building that Chick lived on the middle floor and I think uh, Dave Holland lived on the bottom floor and Dave Lieben lived on top <laughs> and so we would go there and you know have jam sessions at Dave's loft all the time and and you know Michael and Randy Brecker, George Cables uh, Steve Grossman you know a lot, a lot of guys and, and uh, we'd have jam sessions and they would all take mescaline and play, mm-hmm. or smoke weed and play, and like I didn't, but um, you know I was, you know, part of it and around it all the time, and you know like there's some great creative music that that, you know, that came from that. So, I mean I've I experienced it from that perspective, and then like all the employees, I mean the employers that I had. <laughs> they were doing whatever they were doing, right? And they were legendary for doing it, you know. So, but, but I mean, like, I'm not, I yeah. can't, you know, pass judgment on anybody. I mean, like, it was some great music came from that. Yeah, no, what, what? That's why I want to stay with the music. I mean, what? It just stretched out more. I mean, even just from your point of view, it was just. Well, yeah, the, the music stretched out more because, <clears throat> I guess you know what happens is. They, they they were expanding conscious consciousness happening. I don't know if that's the. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. Way. It's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, but 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 the the creative consciousness expanded because they were seeing different horizons because of whatever medication they did. You know, a box 
became a hexagon or it became instead of having four sides the room had 12 sides and the exploration was to try to touch all 12 sides of the room as opposed to you being in a room with four walls you know yeah and i think i speaking from some experience um I think it also just lowered all their inhibitions and those side panels fell off and they went to places because well, they... You know, the, 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 the most... The hardest thing for anyone to do is to be in the moment because your life is a collection of memories. It's a collection of your memories, your mom and dad's memories, talking to you about their memories your friends talking about their memories and your memories. And all those things together put together become your conscious being as opposed to your subconscious. And what happens is you start to think about things that happened to you in the past or whatever. And that's what becomes your timeline. But for you to be in the moment and not think about anything, it's like meditation. Not think about anything other than being in the moment. It's the hardest thing for you to do. And maybe with this, these different medications, a person could do that. Mm -hmm. And they would be in that moment at that point, or in that note, in that chord. And <clears throat> excuse me, they could hear things that they didn't normally hear because they were what normally happened they were clouded by other chords and 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 other scales that they played in the past i don't know i don't i don't know if that makes sense no it 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 doesn't matter man i mean that's the the, the thing is that the music i'm just talking about stretching out the music and yeah i mean but you know do you got to think about all that you know you got to think about Love Supreme, you got to think about Ascension. You got to think about, you know, like uh, free jazz. All of those things that happened, you know, like at the late 50s, early 60s, into the 70s. I mean, Bitches Brew, I mean, you know, there were, there were a lot of mind expanding things happened. Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, the avant-garde in New York and that you know, transcended out into the West Coast and things like that. I mean, John Cage, all the experimental music that was going on. Um, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen today, but that was the norm back then. Do, do that you, was the norm. And, yeah, and, exactly. that, that was normal. That's what I'm saying, it was normal. Yeah, I mean, and think about it. I mean, like, even the Beatles, which is the, 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 the iconic pop band of all time, they were expanding consciousness. Of course. And, and they were bringing it, gurus. Like, yes, and, and, yeah. and, and that was, was... That doesn't happen today. 
Right. No, we're really good now at bringing, because everything's very scientific. We bring in Indian doctors and Chinese doctors, but we don't bring in the Maharishi Maharishi Yogis, the Sri Chim noise. I mean, I spent two hours talking to McLaughlin about altering consciousness without chemicals because he was in such a rut. But that's what I'm saying. Exactly. See, that was the, that was the right. point. The point is, without chemicals, there, there was a spiritual quest. Clearly. To expand the personal universe. And as I said before, when the personal universe expands, the overall universe expands by one person. If you could collectively get everybody to expand their universe, the universe would expand to heights that would be not, it would be imagined, un unimaginable. Can you tell me a, a, a great uh, story about uh, Freddie Hubbard? Do you, do you, you played on, I mean, your, your drumming on Red Clay stands up better today, I think, than it did then. Um, do you, uh, there are cats like that who, like, I don't know if Freddie would be, um, you know, with, and I think everything has to do also, I can just see it myself, just the... Um, well, Freddie, Freddie lived life to the fullest. He was in the moment? I mean, well, but you listen to the way he played. Mm -hmm. Every, everything he played was, like, grandiose, and he tried to play the horn and reach and make the horn reach notes that, you know, you couldn't reach. But he played like that, and he lived like that. You know, he lived life to the fullest. And, you know, he practiced... His horn. I mean, you listen to the way he played. I mean, like you know, it's, when I hear Freddie play, I hear his personality. Freddie was an Aries, and I hear his personality when he plays. I hear it being brash, braggadocious, <laughs> and that's the way he was. But he was a lovable person, and like if he dug you, I mean, he'd go to the ends of the world for you. And, um, you know, what? with that red clay session, he called me to do the session. Actually, he had wanted Tony Williams to do it. And Tony Williams recommended me to do it. <laughs> and so when we went to do it, I mean... Freddie said, like, you know, I got this tune, and I need a beat. And so he played me how the tune went. And I just played that beat, and to Freddie's dying day, <laughs> he thanked me. for it. He said, man, you you made that beat for me, man. And, like, you know. Are you I, talking about on the title track? Yeah. Oh my God! Because that whole every everything sounds like it needed a beat, and you gave it the most. Every song is different. It's the most incredible thing. That was the first music album that I ever really got fixated on uh, on CD. It just was. Uh, it seemed to make total sense to me. And I, some of the avant-garde stuff, like you said, uh, those loft sessions got real avant-garde. But the, I mean, I don't even know if Freddie. I mean, I feel like in in 2014, you know, Freddie Hubbard would wind up. 
yelling at the, I think it would be great to get a visual of somebody telling the audience to shut up and, and to listen to the band. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, get that out there. People are like, whoa, man. You know, because that was what Freddie and Lee, those guys, I believe, were about. Miles is like, to a degree, it was, let me, I'm going to play what I feel, and you can determine whether you like it or not, but you're going to listen to what I want to play. Right. Yeah. Well, you see, you know, the fact is, the attitude about our music back then was we didn't compromise and we didn't um, apologize for it. We played it, stuffed it down your throat. If you couldn't handle it, then you'd go listen to some other kind of music. <laughs> uh, you know, like, but this is what we did, mm -hmm. and here it is. And, you know, that, that attitude, you know, actually helped and permeated the, the, the community to the point where it challenged everybody within the community to really come with something that was long-lasting and seminal. Not don't half-ass anything. You know, you got to come with it. And that was the attitude. I mean, it was like bands would play with other bands on shows, and it would be who could one-up the other band. With substance. With substance. Not yes. not just, you know. With music. Yeah. Not, no, no gimmicks, no tricks. Right. It was music. Right, right. Who could play faster, who could play more complex who could could play more music than the other band that you know and that was the attitude that was the attitude of the community and that was the attitude of the times and see that's why going back to what i said at the very beginning of the conversation the time period that i'm talking about which is the early 60s into the late 70s that attitude permeated that time period and that's where the seminal music came from when you talk about going back now into the 90s when people rediscovered that music then they played their versions of that. Mm -hmm. Hence, you go a decade further, this way, to the 2000s, and you got guys that were copying or emulating music that was done in the 90s from the jazz perspective. But that music that was done in the 90s didn't go back far enough. And so if you if you so for anybody listening today, younger musicians, doesn't matter what instrument they play. When you say going back, would, would you recommend like Cozy Cole or, or Joe Jones or, or like, uh, you know, what would you what are some uh, types of music that you would uh, promote uh, so that people can go back in the lin lineage is one of the L's on the Jake Feinberg. Show. I love that you use that word. So who would you recommend to check out? Well, see. I, I, the best way that I could explain it is like this. 
it's like um, if you are from a particular neighborhood and you wanted to find out about your neighborhood, you would try to go to the oldest people in the neighborhood and ask them. And then they could say, hey, well, you know, I've been here since blah, 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 when it first started, this neighborhood first started, and this is what this was, blah, 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 blah. blah. So from the true African tradition, if you are from a certain tribe and you wanted to know about your tribe, you go to an elder and ask the elder, and the elder would tell you. Basically, you couldn't read it in a book, or you couldn't ask someone from another tribe to tell you about your tribe. You needed to go to source. Source is the point where you get your information. And so when you ask me and you say, well, what should a young musician, who should a young musician listen to to go to find out about the music, blah, 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 it is... The best way that I can explain it in contemporary terms is timeline. Just like you have a timeline on your Facebook page. What happens is you have to go back and then you get to this source point. And then you go back and find out where source point D got their information from. So you have to go from source point D to source point C. Then source point C to source point B, source point B, source point A. So I can't say to a young artist, unless I talk with that artist and I hear the way they play or I see where they're getting their information from, their source from, and I say, well, like, have you ever thought about, I mean, have you ever heard blah, blah, blah? And when they go to seek that, artist out, then you need to go to find out who influenced the artist that you just discovered. And it goes back, back, back. And you go back all the way to the very source things. And when you go back that far and, you, and you're well-versed, then you can see how the music evolved. You can see where things come from. Mm -hmm. And I think that you'd have a better vision about what it is that you do as an artist or what it is you can do as an artist and go back all the way back to, to the source point. Are there still elders left that can be sought out? I mean, I think what you said before that was inspiring was that uh, you guys raised the bar of the community by playing that kind of music. And from that, activists and leaders, substantive educated people, athletes, all sorts of people came out of those. I mean, it's reflective. It makes sense. Um, but are there, I mean, because you're right, it all depends on everybody's individual style and the kind of advice you can, but are, I mean, yeah, you're right. The elders, there are still others left and they're, and they're somewhat accessible, but, um, you know, I mean, it's not just about, going back and listening to the to, to the music itself, I mean, you really have to, you have to dig deep. You have to be a seeker. And I guess maybe in, we've had, uh, you know, in, in the time that we live in, everything is so easy access and everything happens so quickly and spontaneously that um, the searching model, which is still available, it's just, it's not 
people don't access it. People don't need to access it. Yeah, I think I think attitude-wise today, though, like, mm-hmm. you know, the information is out there, but the artist might not necessarily want to go back that far. Though they're not they're not interested. You know, it, 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 there, there's an attitude where, like, somebody says, um, "Well, I want to be able to to." play jazz and the guy says okay well like you need to go back and study this person and they go back and study it and they say well now you need to go back and study the influence that that person I mean where, where he got his inspiration from and the young artist said well no I'm really not interested in that I have what I need you know there's there's that attitude too where like sometimes the artist doesn't want to go back that far, or they don't feel that they need to go back that far. It's like you know, oh, I'm happy where I am, and I don't, I don't need to go back any further than that. You know, right? That speaks to the idea that you were talking about early first interview about uh, back then. You couldn't, you wouldn't get a pass. There'd be no skating by. People would just tell you, you're not cutting it. You're out. And now people can, younger cats can just try to, you know, they don't feel it's necessary to have to, or they can get away with it. I mean, we've, we, it, it's happened in schools. It happens across the board. Pe- people get those passes. Um, as we wrap up, because I, I know you got another another uh, call coming in, but um, can you talk about your concept of love and, um, and how you try to um, infuse that in music and in your life? Uh, you know, holistically? Well, I mean, the first rule is you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And a lot of people have problems with that. <laughs> uh, That's a good point. I don't have that problem, but I know what you're talking about. And, and, and it confuses folks. Uh, but Love is the highest dynamic from a personal perspective that you can have. Everything that you do has to be from love. Do you know what selflessness is? Of course. Um, Now, I'll I'll give you an example. Um... In in no way, and I'm am I reflecting this to 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 put any slant or any uh, um, thing on anyone's religion. But here's a, here's a here's a point. Christians spend their lives trying to get to a point where they will be saved and have an afterlife. So if you go by the rules of what a true Christian should do and you get to that day where you meet your maker and they say to you, 
Well, you lived an exemplary life, and you did what you're supposed to do, but you didn't do enough, and you can't go to heaven. Do you think that that person would be uh, pretty disappointed? Yeah, definitely. Okay, but the fact is, being selfless, he wouldn't or she wouldn't. She'd say, okay, I did what you asked me to do, and I'm content with that. That is an exemplary person. That's a person that distributed love, loved the act of doing what they were doing, loved themselves, and said, I did what I did. If it wasn't enough, that's all I could do. And if I don't get a reward for it, I'm happy with that. That's that's a very high dynamic, and I don't think most of us could feel that way. We always would have to have some reward. All right, Lenny. <laughs> that's it for part two, man. <laughs> Yeah, man, that was, I dig it, man. And I, I know I, I I look at people and they're always running around with a chicken with their head cut off trying to make sure that they're doing something for their God because they're going to be granted some kind of reward. And, um, but there's a really good way to be, to love yourself and be selfless too. And that's the, that's the beautiful balance that I continue to learn on this journey. So. Safe travels, man, and uh, we'll be in touch. I really appreciate it. Cool, man. All right. Yeah, later. Talk to you. Peace. This is the Jake Feinberg Show, and we'll see you all in a little bit.